thank you enough for all that you are. How amazing you are. How your grace is amazing. And I thank you, Father, again for the, for the gift of music and how it helps us express our emotions and our feelings for you. Thank you for that. Father, this song that the team just shared with Jenny and Lord, that comes right from your word. How powerful it is. No matter where we go, you're there. Whether the highest of the heights or the depths of hell, you are there. Thank you for that. Now, Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask that you will speak to our hearts today. May we leave here in wonder about this Christ. And if there's someone here today who, who needs to know him for the first time, Holy Spirit, I'm praying you will draw them to the Son today. If somehow, some way, we've allowed something to step in front of you in our lives, would you pull us out of that way and on the way we ought to go? It's a joy to be here, and we're grateful. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are genuinely glad that you are here today. Thank you so much for coming to worship with us. And thank you also for enduring the snow last week. Um, I was a naysayer. I was fortunate to have lunch with the Lindsays last week with Jim and Kathy and got there and they were talking about how it's supposed to snow and I'm going, it's not going to snow, it's not going to snow. And before I left the dinner table, there were spittings of snow. I still was a naysayer. We had to be back here at 2 o'clock for the Girl Scout Sunday, and we did that. On the way, it started snowing harder and harder and harder, and I started studying for the evening message. It was snowing harder and harder and harder, and finally, Dave wrote me and said, have you looked outside? I said, no problem. It's not going to be an issue. And it snowed harder and harder and harder and harder. Well, before long, it became an issue, didn't it? We were amazed by the amount of snow that we had last week. So thank you, and we're so excited about tonight. I don't know what you got on your calendar, but oh, you need to clear it. Uh, nine, ten people are going to be baptized tonight. How exciting is that? We're sharing um, from Second Timothy, from the Word of God. And then we're going to have a great time of fellowship. It's going to be a great night at Dorseville. And I hope you'll come and just be a part of the great celebration that we have planned tonight. All right. Well, let me ask you a question. So, can anyone tell me who the 13th President of the United States was? The 13th president. Anybody? Well, I chose this one arbitrarily. I must tell you, I went down the list, and this guy, Millard Fillmore. Can you even imagine what his campaign slogan, slogan was? What do you do with Mil Millard Fillmore? Anyway, so he was the 13th president. But you know what? Presidents are important, and yet we don't really know anything about Millard Fillmore. How about that? Well, can someone tell me? We'll get this one. We'll get to it. Can someone tell me who the current pope is? Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, I had to look it up, too. Of course, we're not Catholic. I get that. But anyway, he does, he does kind of rule over 1.6 billion people in the world. <laughs> His name's Francis. Francis, yeah, he's Francis. And by the way, I, I, in the process of looking up, I found out the guy, I forgot about this. I was alive when this happened. There's a guy named John Paul I. Yeah, he only made it 33 days. And I remember, I remember telling Judy this morning, I said, Judy, do you remember that? When the Pope died after being appointed 33 days, everybody thought the world was coming to an end. And then the next guy stepped in, John Paul II, and he got to do it for 26 years. 
So, so there you go. And the world didn't come in yet. How about that? All right. So, all right. So now there's a reason why I'm doing this. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so for you sports guys, can someone tell me who won the Super Bowl five years ago? Now, come on now. We just had Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, it's a big deal. Billions of dollars are spent. We all have parties. Woohoo! Let's go. And you can't remember what happened five years ago? It was not Denver Broncos. No. It was the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens, yeah. And by the way, in 1990, the biggest gap in, in, in score was, was the 49ers and the Broncos, I think it was, I believe. Anyway, I remember the score was 55 to 10. 55 to 10. That was probably a boring game. All right. Okay. Well, let me ask you this question. I've got a couple more here. No more. Okay. Okay. Here you go. You golfers. You golfers. Who is Jim Furyk? Furyk? Hey, I looked it up. I'm getting it close. Okay. But who is he? Come on, golfers. He's a professional golfer. He shot the lowest score in a pro tournament. 58. You guys didn't know that? And you call yourself golf pros. I tell you what. Okay, well, I'm not done yet. Okay, okay, one more. Okay, all right. Can someone name three of the top ten Roman emperors? Now, y'all went, you took this in school. All right, can you name the top three of the top ten? Well, they're, 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 you know, all the experts, Mickey, say they're top ten. Okay, well, I think he counts a little bit later. He had Caesar, Julius Caesar. Yeah, and one more in the Bible. Yeah, Tiberius. Tiberius. And see, we know. That was good God. That was a good shot, dude. Now, listen. Here's the deal. You know, these guys were like rocking the world in their time. But if it wasn't for the Bible, we probably wouldn't know even Tiberius or Augustus or even Julius Caesar. We wouldn't know them. Isn't it amazing? All these people are like rock stars or were rock stars. And yet we so quickly forget. And then you've got this. Can you show that picture, Kayla? Did we get it in there? Yeah, we got this. Constantine, or Tyne, uh, became a Christian. He was a Roman emperor, and he became a Christian and like made you know Christianity the official religion of Rome. And this is the emperor's gate, and through this gate, the emperor would enter all those Roman emperors that we can't remember now who ruled the world, who rocked their world, who determined life or death for so many people. They walked through that gate and gave the thumbs up or thumbs down and thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians died with their thumbs up or thumbs down. And then what we see now, they're all forgotten. But in the very gate they used to enter the Colosseum, there's a cross hanging there. It's amazing who we forget and who we remember. I know I did this last week, and it's intentional. It's not accidental because I'm, I'm learning that the more we hear something, the more we remember. I, I just find it amazing that we can't remember the Super Bowl champ from five years ago or, or what Jim Furyk is famous for or who the current pope is or the 13th president or, for that matter, most anybody, any president in that long list of presidents. But, but billions of people identify... With the name of a remote Jewish carpenter. Born on the wrong side of the tracks in Nazareth. 
His birth was anything but stellar. It was totally a scandal. And yet here we are 2,000 years ago. Oh, by the way, how many of you have ever heard the name Jesus before? Raise your hands. How about that? Isn't that amazing? And you're not by yourselves. We're not by ourselves. The name of Jesus Christ rocks the world of so many people today. In fact, really rocks the entire world. And that's why we had this series, this Christ, a celebration. Because he's so much. Even though there's no logic that we should even remember his name or know his name, yet we do because of who he was. Well, that verse that we're going to use from the Getty song in Christ Alone, actually we edited it in, I edited it in to the, to the movie today, and it goes like this. In Christ Alone. Who took on flesh. Now let that just roll around in your mind a little bit. Who took on flesh. Fullness of God in helpless babe. Fullness of God in helpless babe. This gift of love and righteousness. Scorned by the ones he came to save. This Christ. This Christ is so amazing. And probably, I don't know, but I think probably John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 14, gives us the greatest catalog of who this Christ is. And we reference a lot. I know over the last week or so, or two or three, I certainly have been and visited here, and probably you've included in your Bible studies at home. But it's so important we become, if you will, experts, and I'm not, but become experts or knowledgeable. We become knowledgeable of what John chapter 1 says about this Christ. And that's what we want to spend our time. We want to say, John, speak to us. Word of God, speak to us. Written by John. Of course, by the way, there are two Johns we're going to talk about today, so we should clarify that. John was an apostle, a follower of Jesus Christ. His brother was James. They were known as the sons of thunder because they had a little bit of a temper problem. And then Jesus came in and radically changed their life. And now John is known as John the Beloved. He's known to have leaned on the breast of Jesus, King James. The breast of Jesus. Very close to the Master. That's what Jesus does. He changes people. Good place for an amen. He changes people. He's a world rocker. He's rocked the world of a lot of us. And he wants to rock your world in a very real way. Today, so so we want to look at several things about Christ. The first is uh, this Christ, and that He is God. That He's God. Now this is this is a big deal to John because he really spent some time here. And this is probably now listen. This is the premier scripture in in a nutshell that really speaks about who this Christ is. We really need to nail this down. Let me read to you um, verse number one and two, and then we're going to go back and talk about what it says. It says in John 1, 1 and 2, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This is like so rich and loaded. I want you to know, first off, this. To me, this was kind of a big deal, because we need to make sure we clarify something. It says, in the beginning. In fact, notice my tie. In the beginning. You know, I want you to be sure you understand that when John says in the beginning, it's for our benefit. 
he's referencing when time began for us. See, God is timeless. Do you, you understand that? God is timeless. This idea of seconds and minutes and, and months and years and centuries, that's man. God is not bound by time at all. He gives, John has given us a reference point. When he says, in the beginning, he isn't saying that was the beginning of God. He isn't saying that was the beginning of Jesus, who was God. He's giving us a reference point. When man started time, in the beginning was the Word. Because you see, God never had a beginning. God never had a beginning. But here's the deal. Neither did Jesus. Oh, wait, Dwayne. I thought Jesus started with Christmas. Remember the baby in the manger? That's when he became flesh. But Jesus has always existed because God has always existed. God is not... Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something that's important. God is not bound by time. Let me read to you two scriptures. The first is Psalm 90, verse 4. It says this. The psalmist says, For in your sight, God's sight, in God's sight a thousand years are like yesterday. Hmm. And like a few hours of the night. With God, a thousand years are like yesterday. And or like a few hours in the night. Now, why is that important? It's important because you've been praying for seven hours about something and God hadn't answered yet, and you're getting frustrated. It's important because you've been praying for a month for something and God just hadn't seemed to answer, and you're going, Excuse me, God, it's been a month. Some of you have been praying for a decade for your husband to be saved. That takes a little more work, by the way. But no, no, no. But, it, you know, you've been praying a long time. Keep in mind, God is not bound by time like we know time. He references time. In the fullest of time, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin. But it's a point in, in eternity. It's not like on this day and this year. That is for our benefit and John here. Now, also, of course, in 2 Peter 3, 8, we know this one, most of us do. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. So don't get frustrated with God. Don't get frustrated with God. Don't think because you've been praying a certain length of time and you've not heard from God yet, don't think he's off the job, he's too busy, or he's not hearing you. Just keep in mind, God's got his time, and he's not bound by time. That's going to help you now if you think about it. Because some of you get so frustrated because God doesn't seem to act like in your time. And you're absolutely right. He does not act in your time. He acts in his time. So in the beginning, when John just gives us a reference point, that when time started being recorded in the beginning, because God had no beginning, in the beginning, okay, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, in other, no pun intended, in other words, as long as God the Father has been, Jesus the Son has been. As long as God the Father has been, God the Holy Spirit's been. There's never been a separate time when they were separate. There were always one. Now, I know there's probably people a lot smarter than me who can explain the Trinity to you. It's beyond me. It's not like three gods, obviously. It's even beyond somehow God manifested in three separate ways. I can't put it in order. I admit, look me in the eye. I can't explain it to you. 
But I like that. Because God is so deep and so mysterious and so big, he's way beyond me. He's way, in fact, he was probably, if Billy Graham were here today, he would tell you he's way beyond Billy Graham. And for, I know Dave is a, an Al Mohler friend, fan. You know, he's even beyond the great brain of Al Mohler. That's just how big he is. I like that. I don't want a God I can explain away. I want a God who's bigger than me. Bigger than my understanding. So, so we have, we have, you know, John clearly states by the word of God. And I wish we had time to help you understand again that this book we call the Bible, the word of God, has been proven and tested by time. It's a book that you can trust because it's God-breathed and God-inspired and stood the test of time. So John says, as part of the word of God, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning. I love it. You know, in, in Genesis 1, Tucked away there in the first chapter of Genesis, God says, let us, let us, not let me, let us make man in our own image. And in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 23, after man has sinned and had the knowledge of good and evil, you know, God says, look, man has become like us, like us, knowing good and evil. And later on, when men were trying to build the Tower of Babel in, Gen- Babel in Genesis chapter 11, Okay? They, they said, listen, let's, let's, let's go down. There's no doubt that God is a triune God. One and three, three and one. Try to explain it, and you'll lose your mind. Don't believe it, and you'll lose your soul. Some things you just got to accept by faith, and that's one of those things. Amen? Just one of those things. He's so, so big. So John starts by saying in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, what I want you to understand is is that that Jesus is not a copy of God. He is God. Now, we got a scripture in Hebrews chapter 1. Again, I think we touched this on an evening service not too long ago. In Hebrews 1, 3, it says this. He, and speaking of Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God. The exact imprint of his nature. The exact imprint. Jesus is not like God. He is God. That's why it's this Christ a celebration. When, when the song says, In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, that's exactly what it means. That when Jesus was physically born on this earth, when he took on a human body, he was 100% man and yet 100% God. That's who he is was. And he's not a copy of God. He is God. I, I tried to explain it again on a Sunday evening service one time. You know, I have a picture of Judy at home, and I think it was drawn in 1977. And it's really a pretty good likeness. We were at the beach, and one of those character drawings, uh, you know, guys did a great job of drawing who she is. And it really looks like her. But I know it's not her because it's not perfect. But I also have photographs. And those photographs are exact image of who she is because it's a picture of the real thing well again that is like christ christ is not like the mona lisa who rembrandt drew a woman and said well you know that kind of looks like her no when you see god you see jesus when you see jesus you see god because they're one and the same yet that's yet separate isn't that crazy wild isn't that like huh yeah you'll like that You'll like that. So he was the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Wow. He's strong. He's powerful. 
How amazing is that? Uh, John 14, in case you're sitting there going, yeah, but when I wrestle, you weren't the only ones. It's cool. The guys who walked with Jesus wrestled. Listen to what John 14, 8 says. Philip, one of the followers of Jesus, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it will be enough. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still don't, do not know me, Philip? Have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me? Now watch, watch, watch. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? If you see Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what Jesus is like, look in the mirror of the Word. You don't need to go to the History Channel and get some weird interpretation of some dude about who Jesus was. Not when you've got the Bible. We need to personally read. You need, yes, you need teachers who will teach, but you need to become a student of the Word of God. This is God's revelation of Himself to us. And if you want to know what the Father looks like, all you have to do is look at the Son. So we see this Christ, we see God. But also in this Christ, we see Jesus as Creator, this Christ as creator. Now, again, I know this is some of the things we've touched on recently. Again, it's not accidental. It's intentional. Because I really want you to nail this down. Now, here's what John next says about this Christ. He says, all things. Now, what does that exactly mean? Does it mean like 90% of, of things? No, wait, wait. It means, Mary, are you saying it means everything? All right. It, all generally means all. Generally, all means all. Right? So, he says... All things were created through him. So in other words, this Christ is the creative agent. It was this Christ who spoke and the world was. It was this Christ who spoke and universes and beyond were. Now, I am sure that John would look forward to us sitting here in the 20, you know, 2,000 years later in the 21st century and go, I know they're going to have a question. I mean, does it really mean all? I mean, does, come on, Dwight. Does it really mean all? So here's what he says. He says, all things were created through him and just to nail it down, just in case, you know, we're stubborn Baptists sometime and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Not one thing. Without him, you know, John said, you know, I know you're going to have a question. Listen, not one thing was created without this Christ. That's the power. That's why 2,000 years ago, we're still talking about him. He's so incredibly a world rocker. All right? Now, in Colossians, Paul... Paul now gives us a different picture of the same thing, a different word picture. He says in Colossians 1.16, For by him, Jesus, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. And Paul gives us a little more different angle. He says, visible and invisible. The things that you can see and the things you can't see, he was the creator of all. Thrones? Yeah, that's Christ. Dominions? Powers? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's Christ. Rulers? Oh, yeah, that's Christ. Authorities, yes. All things were created through him and for him. Don't miss that. Through him and for him. Throughout history, 
Actually, throughout, when we measure time from Genesis 1, when time was starting to be measured, you know, if you look and see the beautiful scarlet thread woven through the Word of God, there is one scarlet thread that runs this entire book. It's the scarlet thread of redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Starting in Genesis and going to the book of the Revelation, it's all about Christ. It's all about redemption. It's all about the grandest story of all that men have fallen and needed a rescuer and his name was Jesus Christ. Don't miss that. The the Bible may be many stories, but there's one grand story and it's about this Christ. Are you getting this? I mean, I'm telling you, you've got to understand the preeminence and the importance of who Jesus Christ really, really is. So you've got to get that. Now, I love verse 17. Again, I think I taught this again on, on a Sunday evening not too long ago. And he is before, now that means he's not saying time-wise he's before, he's preeminent. He's number one. Who's number one? Who's number one? All right, we're going to talk about that in a minute, okay? And he is. You're absolutely right. He is. But I really want you to get that. He is number one. And Satan's not even close number two. You need to know that. I don't understand what happened in Africa this week. Two missionaries that Gene and I have met were killed in a car accident. Two more were seriously injured. I want to tell you something. That somehow God allowed that in his plan. Satan did not sneak up on God and get a gotcha and cause that accident. And God said, didn't see that coming. Somehow, somehow God allowed that. And God will work his purpose. That's what it means when it says through him and for him. Because God is working his purpose out in all things. That's the power of Romans 8.28. All things work together for good. Those who love God are called according to his purpose. God is working his purpose out in Africa, in Central Asia, and in your world. Now watch this. I'm going to give you something. Give you a little nugget to take home. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Good old King James says, by him all things consist. In other words... He's holding it all together. What keeps, what keeps molecules from falling apart? The thing you're sitting in today is made up of molecules. The thing you're going to drive home is molecules. The clothes you're wearing are molecules. What's, aren't you glad they're holding together right now? Uh, yeah, it could be a weird service, okay? All right, so, so who's holding it all together? Not circumstances. Not circumstances. Christ. Now, if Christ can hold all of this together, he can hold your world together. And you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that. See, we're a people of faith. We're not people of sight. We're a people of faith. We learned that two or three weeks ago. Okay? So we've got to believe that, that if, he, if by him all things consist, hey, God, I believe you're holding the stars in place. The sun's going to rise at a certain time, 100 years. If the world's still around in 100 years, then, God, then we know the sun's going to rise at a certain time because you set that cycle up so precise that we can predict when the sun's going to rise in, in 2050. If he can do that, what can he do in your world? What can he do in your world? Trust me, he can hold it together. Now, does that mean it's easy? Nope. I'm just telling you, he can hold it. Trust him. Walk with him. Believe him. By faith, trust him. He can hold it together. 
So that's this Christ, the creator. But now we have this Christ, life and light. This Christ, life and light. And here's what John says about that in verse number four. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. You know, that wonderful verse, John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know all about that. But then Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Through the power of Christ, he truly brings life into life. You know, you know again, you know, Jesus said that eternal life is this, to know him and the Father. To know him and the Father. And he says... In him, John says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. When Christ comes into a person's life, what was darkness becomes light. You know, we live in something called the Goldilocks zone. Ever heard that term before? The Goldilocks zone. And, and what it is, scientists have come up with a configuration that's saying, within a very narrow band of space, life can exist. With a narrow band from the sun, life can exist. And they call it the Goldilocks zone. And they say, Earth just happened to be in that zone. (laughs) Really? How interesting is that? We just happened to be in that zone. Let me tell you something. There ain't no happen to it. In the beginning, God created, and that's why we're here. Call it what you want. Call it Rumpeldiltskin zone if you want to, but it's God. It's God. I was thinking, you know, I like to ponder things crazy. Like, you're saying, well, in this zone, life has to exist. I'm saying, wait, 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 wait. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Scientist. That's your definition of life. What if there's a type of life, a type of life that, I mean, since it's all by evolution and globs of protein and all that anyway, so, so what if there's a life, a kind of life that doesn't need oxygen, doesn't need water, it doesn't need 70 degrees? What if on Mercury? Why isn't there on Mercury not a life that thrives in fire? I mean, since it's all happenstance and proteins and all that, why couldn't there have been a chain reaction of molecules on Mercury that thrives in fire? Or maybe we could go to the darkest planet. Maybe we go to Pluto. And go, oh, there's a type. Why isn't there a type of life that thrives in darkness and freezing cold? You want to know why? Because God created this. That's why there's not life on Mercury. There's not life on Pluto. That's why it's Earth. There's a reason why it's Earth and Earth alone. Because that's where God chose to act. That's why. Hugely, hugely Important. So in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Have you ever thought about this? The smallest light, Lisa, the smallest light overcomes the greatest darkness. I'll never forget when Todd Horton took me down underground about 300 feet. And did the little, okay, now we're going to turn the light out thing. 
And I mean, I've never experienced darkness like that. I've been in Africa where there's no lights. I've been in other parts of the country where there's no lights. But that was a dark you could feel. And yet, flick a lighter, turn on the headlamp, and the darkness has to flee. That's the power of light. All the darkness in the entire world cannot stuff out the smallest of light. And Jesus says, the light, or John says, the light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. You know why? Because he's greater. He is light, and he is life. And he wants to bring life into your life like never before, and he wants to bring light into your life, so the darkness has to flee. The darkness has to flee. I've said it too often, I know, but church can't do that, and religion can't do that, and you can't do it by your good works. It is all by God's amazing grace. I mean, God is real. This thing we talk about week after week is really real. Really real. He goes on and says in John 1, 6-9, and this is, I call this, this Christ. We're talking about. We're talking about. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is the other John. This is not John the Apostle who's writing the book. This is John the Baptist. Zacharias and Elizabeth were his moms, and most agree that he was the cousin of Jesus. And he was given and sent for a reason. That was to be the forerunner, the foreteller of Jesus Christ. That the Messiah was coming. His job was to tell about Jesus. His job was to tell about Jesus. Now watch, watch. There's a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. See, John's job is our job. He was sent, in a, I know, in a specific way to testify about Christ so all would believe. Is that not what we've been conditioned to do? He's worth talking about. And by the way, you'll recognize he's, the more, you, the more he's active in your life and the more you recognize his activity in your life, the more you want to talk about him. Now I'm telling you, he's working in your life. You just got to look around. You just got to look around. Just like John was commissioned to tell, we are commissioned to tell. And then, I love it because he reminds us of something else. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. See, John the disciple reminds us that John the Baptist had to be careful. Because in a position of honor like that, it'd be awful easy to call attention to yourself. To forget really who is number one. I don't suppose that happens in churches any, does it? Is there times perhaps when we forget who's number one? The preacher gets too big for his pants and says it's his church. Sometimes the deacons get too big for their pants and says it's their church. Then somebody with a lot of influence in the community thinks it's their church or a group of members gets the idea that it's their church. Well, you better listen to Colossians 1.18. He is also the head of the church, or the body, the church. He, Christ, is the head of the body, the church. Hey, it ain't ours. It ain't ours. Get your hands off what is God. Hey, preacher, I'm listening. Hey, deacons, hope you're listening. Hey, members, I hope you're listening. 
This thing is not ours. It's God's. And it's true of every gospel-preaching church. No preacher, no group of people, no member has the right to say they own the church. And by the way, if you don't own it, then you don't control it. If you don't own it, you don't control it. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so he might come to have first place in everything. Thank you, John, for reminding us. He was not the light. He came to testify of light. And we're not the light. Hey, Southern Baptists, we're not the light. He's the light. We just come to testify of his light. He goes on and says this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Amen. Would you please remind me if we ever lose this? Would you remind me when we think we are about us? There's a song that we sing still occasionally called The Heart of Worship. And it goes, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you. The heart of worship is Jesus. It's not instruments and songs. The heart of worship is Jesus. And then the songwriter says, I'm sorry, Lord, for the, in quotes, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you. It's all about you. Our worship, whether it's in the the privateness of our quiet time, or whether it's corporate worship, or whatever that takes place in your car, the center of worship must always be Jesus Christ. Someone needs to say amen there. I need to know you heard that. The center of worship is Jesus Christ. He is number one. One. In fact, there's not a number two. It's Christ. It's Christ. Finally, in John chapter 1, verse 10, we learn about Christ, this Christ, as the mystery and majesty. The mystery and the majesty. He was in the world, John says, and the world was created through him. Well, this sounds familiar. And yet the world did not recognize him. From, from the get-go, you know, God said way back in promise, way back in Genesis chapter 3, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming through Abraham, he's coming, Jacob, he's coming, on through the prophets, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And when he came, the vast majority of the Jewish people didn't even get it. You want to know why, by the way? He didn't line up to what they thought. They envisioned this majestic king, and he came as a humble servant. And they missed it. They didn't see it. Verse 11 says, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Let's see if I can help you a little bit this morning also, and help me in the process. Again, this is something we taught on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Not too long ago. Jesus went back to his hometown. And in Mark chapter 6, it says this. He left there and came to his hometown, Nazareth. And his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, go to the local church and teach. And many who heard him were astonished. They could not believe what they were hearing. Okay? So their ears are telling them, this is like we never heard before. 
Okay? Now hang on to that ear thought. All right? Where did this man get these things? He says, this man is teaching things we've never heard before. And not in a bad way. I mean, a way that's gripping their life and going, wow, where's this man getting these things? Um, What is this wisdom that's been given to him? He's 30 years old, 31 years old, and yet he's teaching like an... (laughs) Like an ageless sage. Because he was ageless. (laughs) And how are these miracles performed by his hands? I mean, this guy can touch blind eyes in open eyes. So they're hearing. They've seen his miracles. they, they, They see the wisdom in his life. Obvious evidences. Verse 3, isn't this the carpenter, the majesty and the mystery? Isn't this the carpenter? Yeah, I love something y'all do all the time to me. It's a good thing. And you'll say, Mickey, you did it not too long ago. You said, I remember teaching so-and-so in class. I'm going, Mickey, really? And this guy's like, you know, like grown up now. I'm going, seriously? And y'all, y'all have done that, you know? Lodima, Lodima, like, it's going to be like, can I think she's going to be 90? Oh, I think I just did. Oh, anyway, she's going to be 90. So a lot of you people, I mean, she taught school, and, and I mean, she's your teacher. And you're like, you're 100 years old, too, and you're going, yeah, she's my teacher. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing. To watch These guys watched Jesus grow up. Oh, I remember when he was 12. I remember he was 14. I remember when Mary fed him. And so they say, isn't this the carpenter? Now, they're hearing things they've never heard before. They're hearing wisdom like they've never heard before. And the guy is performing miracles. All right? Those senses are like going, but then their logic, oh, good old logic, is going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't this the son of the carpenter? The the son of Mary? And, And his brother, isn't that... Isn't James's brother? And Yose isn't, isn't that a brother? And, and Judas isn't that a brother? And Simon isn't that a brother? Oh, wait, wait, wait. And aren't his sisters here with us? And then the Bible says, so they were offended by him. Familiarity breeds contempt. Even though, now listen, listen, stay with me. Even though their ears and their eyes were telling them one thing, they allowed logic to overrule. And someone on the sound of my voice today may be here today and going, you know what? I get all that, but I just can't believe it. Man, you need to act on your faith. Let your heart and your, what you're hearing and what's drawing you to Christ overrule what you don't understand. Remember what we said last week? Faith does not include or require details. He is calling us to believe this Christ. This Christ. He's calling us to believe. He's calling you to believe. Let me wrap this thing up a little bit shorter than what I had. I just looked at the clock. I want to go back again intentionally to what I said, what scripture we used last week. It was John 6, 66. And this might be a recurring theme every week, so hang on. 
Jesus had said some hard things, and a lot of people couldn't buy it, and they left. They left. And that's why I said not all believers are believers. And then Jesus looked at the guys and said, so do you want to go too? Do you want to go too? And Peter spoke up and said, where would we go? Where would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And besides that, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I know you've got questions. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, you've got questions. That's not wrong. That's why I want you to come to movie night on Easter night. You're going to hear the story of a well-educated atheist who came to the point he could not deny Christ. You need to hear his story. But today, I'm asking you, by faith, I know I may be foreign to you, but you exercise faith all the time. You came in and sat down in a chair, for goodness sake. You didn't know that chair was going to hold you up. You just believed it would, and you plopped down in it. You put your key in your ignition of your car, just knowing it was going to crank, and it didn't, and you drove it here. You had faith. Faith is not something that's foreign. It's something we exercise every day. Now, I'm going to ask you by faith to come down this morning. And take old Brent by the hand and say, Brent, I got so many questions you wouldn't believe it. But listen, something's telling me this is real. And I want to know more. I want to know more. And we'll start now. If we can't finish now, we'll come to your house later and explain to you the best we know how. Using the word of God about who Christ is and what he did for you. Now you can have forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life. So if you're here today and that's never happened in your life, I'm going to ask you to come in a few moments around time or decision time of decision. And then, from a bulk of us, you know, we may not know, we may not know who won the Super Bowl five years ago, and we may not know who the current Pope is, we didn't know the 13th guy, we didn't know who John Furk was, and we didn't know all the emperors, but one thing we do know is Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, we know Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you as your pastor, live like that. Live like Jesus is the Christ who says he is. Because he is. He is. Amen? Amen? Now, if there's any other decisions, let me, we've got two men tomorrow, uh, Nick Hefner and we've got uh, Dale Palmer facing sur- surgeries in St. Louis tomorrow. Um, we went to the funeral home yesterday with Charlene's mom. There's lots of things going on. Uh, a lot of folks in difficult situations. If you want someone to come and pray with you about that, We'd love to pray with you. If you just want to come, come. And, and if you want someone to pray, if not, you just pray by yourself. Maybe here today and you're going, you know what? I've been going to this church a long time. Something tells me I should make it real. I should make it official and join this church. We'd glad to tell you about that. You know what? We'd love to add your name to the baptism list. If you already know Jesus Christ as Savior today, or perhaps you've trusted Christ, you're ready to make it public. You know, come tell Brent. And we'll be glad to baptize. You can join the celebration and the big party tonight. That would be an awesome thing. Whatever we can do. We have presented this today as worship to God as a way to help you in your Christian journey, your Jesus journey. So if God's spoken to your heart, I hope you'll respond. Let's pray. Well, God, thank you very much for the privilege of sharing these truths today. Make it real, Father. I, I want to pray through the Holy Spirit that you'll make it real in our lives. That we, walking by faith, believe. We believe. I pray, Father, that You'll speak to someone today about their salvation, about their need to come to relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. 
I pray, Father, you'll help your, your children today to believe, to trust, to walk by faith in a world that requires sight, to trust you. Have your way in the lives of people. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.